Radio. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. My name is Nicholas Jensen. Hey, if you've ever wanted to invest in real estate assets without the headaches of owning real estate, then stay tuned because this episode is for you. My guest today is Paul Burkett. While an executive with PepsiCo, he began buying rental properties to help himself build wealth. Then one day he stumbled upon non-performing mortgage purchases and it completely changed his life. So within two years, he had liquidated his entire rental portfolio, left corporate life and launched automation finance. Now, Automation Finance works with smaller investors to automate their passive income and retirement plans with investments secured by real estate. And today, he's going to share with you how you can get involved. So please help me welcome my guest, Paul Burkett. Hey, Paul, thanks for thanks for joining me today. Great to be on, Nicholas. Thank you. I'm excited about our conversation. One of the, you know, the company that you have really is tailored to a lot of things that I talk about with my audience as far as investing for cash flow and it being real estate involved and things like that. So what I'd like to do is maybe before we get started, do you mind just giving the audience a, an overview of who you are, uh, what your story is, and what you're currently doing right now? Yeah. Um, so uh, my name is Paul, and I started this business um, in 2013 and fell into it by accident. I come from a corporate career of 25 years at PepsiCo and Procter & Gamble, and uh, had built up um, a portfolio of about 30 uh, rental properties. Came to the US in 2010. So I wasn't educated here, wasn't born here, um, but uh, came here as a, 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 with work um, and uh, started buying rental properties because I couldn't believe, you'll remember 2010, the real estate market was in really rough shape and you could buy three bedroom, two bathroom homes for 80 grand and rent them for 1500 bucks a month. And that was just something that was unimaginable back in Europe where I'd come from and uh, got up to about 30 houses, thought that passive real estate investing would be a great way to build long-term wealth and found out that running 30 doors is a full-time job. So all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and at the evenings, I was either flying down to Vegas, Phoenix, uh, Philadelphia or Florida, um, where I had these properties and working on buying more or selling or doing all the stuff real estate guys do. And um, bought a, she was buying a short sale from a well-known bank. And uh, the uh, the short sale person called me and said, listen, I can't, um, I can't do that short sale. We've sold that loan. I thought, oh, that's fine. Who did you sell it to? Bank A, bank B, bank C? They said, no we sold a loan to a private individual. And that blew my mind. The idea that a private individual could own someone's mortgage seemed very strange to me. And so uh, I started researching it. And six years later, we manage about $250 million worth of mortgages um, with a team of six people. And you can imagine managing 2,500 uh, homes with six people would be impossible. But in the mortgage business, it's just so much more scalable and, and more stable. 
And so that's how I built out that business. And so for the last several years, we've been raising money on Wall Street, buying mortgages. Often the mortgages are in default. So they're maybe paying from time to time or they haven't paid for a year or two or, or, they're, or they're paying regularly. Um, and uh, and we've, we've used funds to, to do that. And what we're doing now is we're making that available to everybody. So we've launched a crowdfund, which is an SEC regulated fund that allows people to pool money alongside ours. We go buy the homes or buy the, the mortgages and we pay the investors a target return of 8% and we pay every month. And so that's what we've been doing for the last uh, kind of two years. We've just been doing that. And we also offer best efforts liquidity. So some of your listeners will be interested because some people put money in for a period of time, six months, or while they're waiting for another deal to come, and then they can take it out and use that cash for for some other deal. Now, it's on a best efforts basis. We're not FDIC insured. You're buying uh, a share of a mortgage, essentially. You're buying a security, and that security owns uh, mortgages all across the country. So that's it in a nutshell. Easy, Easy to say, hard to do. Yeah. So just for some some clarification purposes, somebody invests in your fund. This is a pooled fund, meaning that yeah. the the investment they make is not tagged to one specific property, but it's tagged mm-hmm. to a fund that owns, let's say, hundreds of properties or correct. Have, has mortgages on hundreds of properties. Correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. So the advantage of a mortgage over a piece of property is when the toilet breaks in a piece of property, you've got to go and send someone to fix it. When the toilet breaks in a mortgage property, the homeowner fixes it because it's the homeowner's problem. So that's how it's so much more scalable. Yeah. So in my mind, the way that I look at this is this is a this is a great advantage to invest for cash flow because you're getting an eight percent return um, yep. on, on uh, being paid. Out. Did you say was that paid out monthly or quarterly? Monthly. Yeah, we make monthly. distributions monthly. Yep. Okay. So you're getting an 8% return. So you've got the ability to invest in real estate and take some of the advantages of investing in real estate without a lot of the headaches of real estate. So that's super attractive. Talk to the listeners about how are you buying these mortgages, right? Because uh, yeah. you say that oftentimes they're in default or, or they're, str- they're a struggling asset. Yeah. How are you finding them? And mm-hmm. how are you, uh, what, what's your due diligence process to go through to say, yes, this is one we're going to take over or no, this is not one. Well, so the, there are two routes for, for sourcing product. I speak at every conference. I go to all the mortgage bankers association meetings and I'm like the, the guy who comes to take out the trash for them. They, banks do not want non-performing loans. They don't know how to manage them. They don't have the in-house skills to manage them. They want to make new loans and collect money every month. They don't want to be involved in foreclosure and legal work and all of that stuff. And that's always comes as a surprise to people because they think that banks keep these loans on their books. They typically don't. So I solicit the 5,800 banks across the country and say, guys, if you have loans on your books right now that are not paying or that are spotty pay, so they pay in January, but then they don't pay again until May or whatever, we're a good buyer of those. And without going into all of the torturous details to do with how um, uh, credit losses are accounted for by the banks, there's an incentive for the banks to get those loans off their books. And so we'll buy them from the bank at a discount. Now, the discount can be 20% 
or it can be 40%, depending on how bad the loan is. And we're then in the specialist business of rehabilitating the borrower, the borrower's credit, and the loan itself. So we take non-performing mortgages or sub-performing mortgages and make sure that they pay every month because there is a premium for a loan that pays every month. And so we're in that process on on our side. On the borrower side, they can't believe that we're not taking their house and selling it so that it ends up on fix that flip or, you know, those TV shows that you see often about people doing that, which is fine if people want to do that. But we think it's a much better business to keep the person in their home, restructure their payment. Typically, what's happened to these guys, Nicholas, is they lost their job. They're out of work for six months or nine months. We're going to see a ton of it coming in the next three or four months with all of the people who've been affected by COVID. Either the obvious people like restaurant workers, hospitality, those kind of folks, but also you can imagine even in Utah, there's lots of guys and gals who own four or five restaurants or two or three bars, and they've had no income. They're now six or nine months behind on their mortgage. They should have been paying three grand a month. They have not. They're now 30, 40, 60 grand in the hole, whatever it is, depending on the size of the property. They go to their bank and their bank says, well, there's not much we can do to help you. You're going to either sell the home or we're going to foreclose. And so the foreclosure may start and then the loan will come to the market and we'll buy it. We'd much rather forgive those past due payments or reduce the interest rate or extend the term, whatever we need to do to keep the borrower in their home because there's an awful lot of value destruction in foreclosure, rehab, and sale. It's You can make money doing it for sure, but the borrower's equity is destroyed and it's bad for the neighborhood and it's bad for society more broadly. So we think it's a better business just to, to fix the loan rather than fix and flip the house. Dude, I love I love your business model around really helping the, the homeowner stay. And as you're talking through this, I'm like, Man, what an advantage for a homeowner to be in a bad situation, be scared because they're behind on their mortgage. Maybe they've got kids and they're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with their, their family and, and, you know, where they might go for you guys to come in and and help them restructure it, I think is, is a valuable um, resource for society as a whole. In fact, so one of the businesses that we own is a property management company, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we own real estate, we help other investors manage their real estate. And the thing that I hate the most in that business is posting three day pay or vacate notices, mm-hmm. especially like when I know there's little kids in the home, like it, sure. it tear, it tears me apart. And I'm not mm-hmm. like a, I typically am, am, more of a, I don't give a crap kind of guy, but that just like tears me up. I hate, I hate doing it. I hate sending people to do it. I hate doing it myself. So the advantage of keeping people in their homes, I think is super, super valuable. Talk to me about that conversation. So you buy the, you buy the loan from the bank. Yeah. You, I assume you reach out to the homeowner how does that conversation go? And what are some common restructurings? You talked about lowering their interest rate, extending the loan terms. But if, they, if they're in trouble and they haven't been able to afford their current payment, what ways specifically are you restructuring it so that 
they can stay in their home, but also not keep them handcuffed to something, you know, for the next 120 years, if you, if you know what I mean. Right, right. Well, the loan has some similar characteristics with a piece of actual real estate. The rehab process of a loan is time consuming and expensive because it involves lawyers, it involves specialist skills. It's not a cheap thing to do, and it's certainly not a cheap thing to do at scale. So the first thing, that, sorry, so the last thing you want is to restructure someone's loan and then have them default again one month later. Because it's just like you posting a three-day notice and they're having to do it again 28 days later. That's just a problem that you haven't actually solved. You've just postponed it by a month. So the first thing we'll do is re-underwrite the loan from the very beginning. So we will know if this borrower can afford the home or cannot afford the home. In some cases, someone with minimal income has managed to somehow get a mortgage for a home that they simply cannot ever afford. If that's the case, we'll work with them on a short sale. They'll sell the house and have to move to somewhere 50% of the price of the current home that they're in. But typically, that's not what happens. Typically, what happens is you have two working folks in the home. One of them has lost their job. They have um, fallen behind by a year or 18 months, and they now owe the bank $40,000 in missed payments, which they cannot pay. The bank can't do a deal with them because if they do a deal with the Jensen's, they have to do a deal with the folks next door because the Jensen's are going to talk about it at church, at the kids' playground, whatever. It's going to be contagion through the whole neighborhood. And Bank X has got a huge problem. It's going to go bankrupt. So they get that loan off their books to somebody like us at a discount. And that's where the value is, is created. When we talk to the borrower, the borrower will often say, firstly, they hide from us because they think we're going to take their house because they've seen the shows on TV, they know what's coming, or at least they think they do. Once we've convinced them that we don't want to take their house, we want to keep them in their house, it then becomes a simple financial analysis conversation. How much money do you make? What are you going to do if we foreclose and take your house? Well, to use your example, the vast, vast majority of our customers are married or are cohabiting and have kids. And if we take their home, the kids are in school and the significant other has a local job in the, in the neighborhood. So they're going to rent the house around the corner down the street. So long as we can make their mortgage payment 75% of what it would cost them to rent that place down the road, around the street, around the corner, it makes rational sense to stay in their home. And so that's what we do. So many of these folks will be paying six or seven percent interest on their mortgage we'll reduce it down to five percent they may have 180 months left on their mortgage we'll extend it out to 240 months and reduce that monthly payment and then we'll forgive all their late fees we'll forgive their past due payments because we can forgive that i'm not worried about one of my customers telling another of my customers that they got a great deal because everyone gets a great deal. Everyone gets forgiven payments. Everyone gets lowered interest rates. We do that as you know programmatically. And so that's how that, that talk off goes. And often look, the borrower will bring a lawyer because they'll say, I don't get it. 
you're giving me away money here. I just don't, I, I, I'm not smart enough to figure out you fast talking guys. So the lawyer comes in and we'll do the same conversation and the same deal with the lawyer. It just typically takes longer and costs more, but it ends up in the same place. And often the lawyer who's an independent third party or a housing counselor, even we've had a pastor join on the phone to say, you know, for us to explain, and it just makes sense. And what we've done more recently is we put videos up on our website. So you can go and see 20 other homeowners just like you who we saved from foreclosure. That's made things a lot easier. It's become a little bit more better known over the years. Yeah, that's that's great. So from an investor standpoint, walk me through, assuming an investor wants to get involved and like I have got I've got some capital, I've got some investing yep. capital. Um, I want to you know, get involved in, in investing in this type of an uh, of an asset. How do they do that? What's the process? Point us in the right direction of, of how that how that works. Um, there's we we we're attractive, I think, to three types of investors. The first one are um, folks with retirement, you know, tax deferred type of um, uh, cash. And you can put that in and it grows. Uh, our target return is 8% a year. So it grows at 8% and it grows. You'll get interest on the interest. So the power of compounding is, is pretty attractive there. That's one type of investor. There's another type of investor who maybe is an entrepreneur or is a real estate guy or you know has cash and they're waiting for a deal. And they're currently getting zero or something like zero in their uh, deposit account and will pay an annualized rate of 8%. And so they might put it in just for a year and then take it out after a year or or whatever. No one is actually, uh, that's not quite true. A couple of people have taken money out, but a lot of people put money in and just leave it there because it's completely passive. Um, our average loan to value is about 65 to 70%. So real estate prices would have to fall by a third before you're worrying, oh, I might be underwater. And that's never happened before. Now it could happen. Anything could happen, but okay. but that's that. So so the things you would do are one, you would go to either our website, automationfinance.com, or the SEC's website and read the memo. It's pretty detailed, 35, 40 pages that explains in in exquisite detail everything I've told you, but like literally step by step. And make sure you're comfortable with what we're doing. And then you just fill in a few forms on the website. And, you know, only in America, um, there's no way I could have built this business. I've lived all around the world. There's no way you could do what we do in America in any other country in the world. It just is extraordinary that regular guys like you and me can set up an entity, hire some people that know what they're doing and go and buy mortgages just like a bank can do. We can compete on the same level playing field as a bank and buy mortgages and save people from losing their homes. That is just the most ridiculous thing outside of these United States because nowhere else can you do that. It, it, can you not do it anywhere else because of the laws of the land? Is that why? Yeah, it would be, there are many laws you would go to jail because you'd be operating a bank without a license, which is like loan sharking. You just cannot do it. Mortgages and insurance are for insurance companies and mortgage companies, but not in America. We have the most innovative financial market and the best regulation that you can do it in a, in a way that the, many of the borrowers that we're working with can't qualify for bank finance. So they're going to be renters for their whole lives, unless there's someone like us who will do what we, what we can do. 
Yeah. So you talked about um, a lot of people will put the money in there and leave it in there. Is there a minimum investment uh, time frame? If somebody invests, do they have to hold it there for a minimum time frame? How, I know you talked about uh, best effort liquidity, but yeah. what's the standard time frame when somebody invests in your one of your funds? So the vehicle that is approved by the SEC, we are in year, we're just finishing year one of a two-year investment period. So we raise money for two years, then we invest that money and we hold it for three years. So if you were to invest today, you should be planning on being in for four years. The way it's structured, there's a big incentive for us to liquidate the loans as quickly as possible. Because the sooner we get paid at the end, we don't get paid fees for raising the money or any of that. So we get what's left over after the borrower gets there, or rather after the investor gets their 8%, we get what's left. So since 2013, we've made about 16.5% a year. So we're roughly splitting it with the investor. The investor gets half and they get their half first, and then we get what's left at the end. So that's that's how it works. And the best efforts liquidity, best efforts liquidity is let's say someone has put in fifty thousand dollars and a year later they want to take out their fifty thousand dollars. Assuming the company, the, the vehicle has the funds to do it, they will when they next get a payoff from a mortgage. They'll use those funds to redeem the units that that investor has has invested. So that brings up a, a good question from an operational standpoint. So you, you pool these mortgages inside of a fund. That fund has yep. basically a four year time frame. Yeah. What's the exit? Are these are these homeowners refinancing and paying you guys off? Are you selling the assets off? How does that work? Well, both of those things happen. Um, what we'll do is when we get to the end of the period, we will offer the loans for sale. And what we will most likely do is use a new fund because we're not going to exit the business and buy those now performing loans into the new fund because we have them at a basis that allows us to, so long as we're making more than 8%, are happy, everyone's happy. Yeah. So, so long as we can keep, keep that yield above eight percent, we'll we would buy those loans into the new fund. That makes sense. Well, Paul, this is a this has been a great discussion. I think this is a great opportunity for people to do good by you know investing money in a in a product in a in a company in a fund that helps the I want to say the common man or the common person get out of a bad right. situation. I, I love that business model. So if people want to invest, tell tell them where to go on your website, how to get a hold of you, all, yeah. all the good stuff. Yeah, sure. So we're not FDIC insured. We are not a bank. We're an investment company and any investment has risk. So they should definitely go to the SEC website or go to our website. The link is there and read the, the um, placing memorandum. Um, and once they've done that, it's an easy thing. We've um, uh, US Bank is our um, trustee. Um, there's all the links are on the website. You go, you follow through. You have to complete some um, know your client and any mon- anti money laundering forms. Pretty straightforward. Provide some ID, and we set you up with an account, and you can then just wire money, send a check, um, and we pool that money with our own and with other investors, and we'll be buying mortgages. We have about two million dollars of deals to close between now and the end of the year. So we'll be buying about a million a month next year, something like that. Perfect. And what's your website's uh, URL? Automationfinance.com. 
Okay, perfect. And I'll, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes as well. So, Hey, Paul, thanks. Thanks for so much for joining me. I, I think this is a, this is a great opportunity for people that have the extra capital that want to invest in a, in a product like this. I think this is a great opportunity for them to do so. So thanks. So thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. And thanks for all the work that you do, Nicholas. You betcha. And listeners, thanks so much for, for spending your time with us. Uh, until next time, continue to build the wealth and the lifestyle you deserve. Have a great week. See ya. Hey, real quick. Are you a six or seven figure entrepreneur who is making great money, but like so many other unwealthy successes, you're not seeing your wealth grow? If so, I can help. Head over to nicholascjensen.com forward slash wealth and take my free wealth building assessment now. Learn how to become a strategic investor and start building the wealth you and your family deserve. Again, that's Nicholas, the letter C, Jensen.com forward slash wealth. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.